Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. In this episode, we wrap up my series on Dr. Benjamin Hardy, one of my favorite authors and just a good friend. The message is from his latest book, Be Your Future Self Now. Well, Tom Ziegler joins me today and the conversation veers into Tom calling us to not fall in love with success or that end result or goal, but more so with the habits that create success. And I absolutely agree with this concept. I mean, think about it. The healthiest people I know and the ones most at peace in their health are not those that love looking in the mirror at themselves or love the scale. They're the ones who enjoy the daily activities of moving their bodies and procuring and eating whole and healthy foods. They enjoy slowing down to be present in the moment. They're in love with the daily habits of health and therefore achieve the success of health at the end of that. And you can say the same thing about financial health and success and relational health and success and so forth. I mean, if you want to achieve success as you define it in any certain area, you will be best served to find habits leading to it that you truly enjoy and look forward to. I mean, for one person, let's say with exercise, they may love running outdoors in the forest like me. Another, and I know some people like this, love running indoors on a treadmill with a TV or a book. While another absolutely loathes running altogether, hates it. But they look forward to gym classes with friends or tennis on the court with friends. Or another who looks at exercise altogether as kind of dumb and they would rather go chop wood and mow their lawn for physical activity. Man, whatever does it for you. The point again is finding habits of growth you enjoy. Hey, if you find value from the Self-Helpful Podcast, it's a gift to me. Leave a review about the show and about this podcast. Best thing you can do, talk about what you hear on the show with someone else. Next up, Tom Ziegler and I discuss how to find your greatest success by finding the habits for success you really love. Tom, there's very few people I'd rather discuss uh, be your future self now within you, man. So uh, I'm eager to hear your thoughts first, though, since it's always been a couple weeks since you've been here. What's uh, what's the latest in Tom Ziegler and Ziegler's world? Well, some pretty cool things, Kevin. Tell me. Uh, yeah. So the book, 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times, is up for an award. I saw with, that. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. That's exciting with get abstract, uh, in the leadership and HR space. So, Excellent. uh, it's getting a lot of good traction, a lot of feedback. And in the meantime, uh, while that happened, I was on the road for the better part of two weeks and I was speaking to a group of 2000 leaders, uh, it, with a company called Equipo vision. And I didn't say it correctly in Spanish, but yeah. in, in, in English, it's Equipo vision. And, uh, that was awesome. That was in D.C. Uh, at a kind of a an old time historic hotel. Uh, it was actually the hotel where uh, they they hold the national press corps conference where okay. they roast the president. Right. Oh, so wow. the same ballroom. So that that was really cool. Uh, but to get two thousand leaders in one room around leadership and 
how we create balance, success, and those kind of things. That was awesome. Uh, and and then last week on Saturday, I got to do a one day workshop with the state officers for the Future Farmers of America, the FFA. Yeah. And so these are young people, you know, nineteen, twenty, uh, kind of in that age group. But when you think about it, the Texas FFA has over one hundred and fifty thousand members. And so this is the top 12 out of 150,000. That's so I can tell everybody our future is bright, yeah. uh, <laughs> amazing young people. Uh, and we were talking about leadership and communication, mainly how to communicate your message more effectively. So it's, it's been a, it's been a great week. And then I also had some fun. I played 81 holes of golf in three days. Really? You saw yeah. and, uh, You know, I started. Working out today was 112 days in a row of working out, and I didn't get sore. Beautiful. It, it was incredible. So that never would have happened before. Uh, so there you go. And so that my total holes for the year is now 81. <laughs> man, I'm glad you got it. And if people don't know, man, Tom was a top-ranked golfer, thought he might even pursue that as a career. Uh, so he's, he's legit with that. Well, Hey man, I got, I'll, I'll share too. Then this last Saturday I did a mountain bike race in Breckenridge, Colorado. Uh, so I was in the 50 plus expert category. It was, it was 30 miles, which if you mountain bike, I mean, that's, you know, it's a decent, uh, length. It's not uh, horrific, but this one was almost 4,000 feet of climbing. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And we peaked out at 11 point, uh, 11,200 feet. It was the highest point, which is about tree line. So not a lot of oxygen up there, man. It ate my lunch. Um, I did. Okay. I didn't, I didn't win any medals or anything, but, uh, it was fun. And I'm actually leaving. I'm doing this. We're doing this show. I'm recording another one. And then I'm heading to uh, Salida, Colorado for a race uh, in the morning. So yeah, I'm having awesome. fun kind of, kind of wrapping up the mountain bike season. Well, I can relate to that mountain air. I played golf, uh, just outside of Albuquerque and, uh, Sandia park oh. area. And so the driving range was at 6,500 feet. So oh, while excellent. you were struggling, while <laughs> you were struggling with altitude, so was I, yeah. the only, the yeah. only difference is, is the ball goes further in high altitude. Oh, beauty. So, okay. Well, and we had golf carts to get up the hills. So you and I were almost the same, almost the same, man. Almost. <laughs> same. You know, I, I real quick, I do, you know, as you're talking about what you've been doing, coaching and speaking and stuff. Um, for everybody to know, I mean, we have so many people. I mean, this is the self-helpful podcast presented by, you know, Ziegler. But when we look at self-help, it's so aligned with it that people, it's like I end the show with, I hope I helped you help yourself so that you can help others. And that people are generally looking to help themselves to be in a place of, like you talk about, Tom, leadership and influence and helping other people. It's what they want to do. So Tom and I are talking about some ideas for the podcast to put in actually extra shows and some things in there to help equip those of you who want to help yourself so you can help other people, especially in the coaching and uh, speaking type things that's to, that Tom does so much. And really, I, I should put in their authoring. I mean, you're talking about your book. I've got a book coming out. But those things are, so, are things that so often people, as they grow, as they help themselves, as they have personal development, they want to help other people. So we're looking at, at helping you guys with that some in the coming weeks, months. Well, on that note, be your future self now. 
Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I talk about him so often. You just listened to the show that I did with him. And, you know, in so many ways, I mean, this is the legacy of Ziegler. Starting with your dad, Zig Ziegler, and continuing through you is helping us all be our future self. But it was such an interesting conversation, as you heard, of just the realization of it's so, it really is difficult to actually envision ourselves as what we are going to become. I mean, that's the essence of goal setting and whatnot. But you know what? You listened to it. What were, what were some of your first thoughts? Give me a download. All right. So I'm going to come clean with kind of a personal uh, little pleasure that I have. Okay. And that is that I love to listen to deep, intellectual, profound things in the bathtub. Okay. That's is that okay? Can we say that as I'd, a guy? I don't know. I might have to put an explicit rating on this show, but we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, uh, dad said this, he said, um, uh, that when you learn something new, it goes into your mind and it bounces around all the other things you already know. And out of that, something new is created, right? You, you get an insight, you get, um, a new thought, so the creativity is expanded, and or maybe you just have a different perspective of it. And so I just got to tell you that off of this last episode with, uh, I'll call him Dr. Ben, uh, my my brain is just, just exploding because I have gone deep in the last uh, couple of weeks on, on material that is hitting the same kind of subjects from different angles. Okay. And this idea of the future self is so powerful. Uh, I've, I'm on my second listen through in the last five days of atomic habits. Yeah. Right. And so, man, what a book. Uh, and then you take this podcast and what, what, what Ben was sharing. And then some of the other things that I've been listening and I, the echoes of the past come in. Okay. So, so dad said this, he said, your past is important, but not as important as how you see your future. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty, you know, and when we look at people who say I can't succeed because it's because they're latched on to the past and all the things that have happened to them, a lot of them beyond their control. And so mm -hmm. what dad said was, is your past is important because it brought you to where you are today. But it's not as important as how you see the future. And so the whole episode is about how do I create a relationship with my future self? Hmm. That's interesting. It, and yeah. and I, uh, I think it's uh, Jim Cathcart who says, um, when you're trying to decide to do something, you ask yourself this question, what would the person I want to become do in this situation? <laughs> right. And so that's a future self thing. So, the person I want to become, the vision I have for myself, how would they handle this problem, right? Would they eat the rack of Oreos, <laughs> right? Once in a while. And then, yeah. And so one of dad's famous quotes is, the number one reason that people don't achieve their goals is they trade what they want most for what they want now. now yeah. Yeah. And so that was a great discussion. 
in there. Well, last week with all this, you know, new input and, and listening, a new quote came to me. And a lot of times my quotes, um, to me, they're so obvious that somebody had to say I'm first. So I go and I search Google and the places to see if anybody said it. So he, here's the quote. Don't fall in love with success. Fall in love with the habits that create success. Hmm. And he talks, Ben talks about, you know, our identity and, and how we create an identity. And really our identity is the commitments we're really willing to live up to. Okay. So what, what if we said this, um, don't fall in love with your future self, fall in love with the habits that create your future self. Yeah. And then you and you and Ben had a great conversation about confidence. Yeah. Okay. So, so check this sequence out. Okay. So where does self-motivation come? Where does, you know, we all, I was talking to a leader yesterday and they're leading a group of people and they're trying to keep themselves motivated and they're wanting their own people to be motivated. Right. Because as a leader, we lead by example that gives us influence and we have to, we have to come in with like Kenneth O'Neill says, we got to have gumption when we come in, right? We got to have this attack attitude. We're going to go make it happen. You know, no matter what the day brings, that's okay because it's an opportunity to serve. And so we're leading people. We've got to be motivated from within to keep that up. And we want our people to be motivated from within. How does that happen? So here's the sequence. Self-motivation comes from confidence. When I'm confident, then I'm motivated. Right? Oh, great. I'll do that. Yeah. Why? Because I have a track record of success. So where does confidence come from? Confidence comes from competence. So the better I get at something, the more confidence I have. Well, guess what? <laughs> First time you play golf you're not going to have a lot of confidence <laughs> I mean, because you don't have a lot of competence. Yeah. Right. Okay. So where does competence come from? Competence comes from habit. Right. So we, we look at the future self that was, so now I'm connecting all these dots. Right, so right. this is, this is James clear. This is uh, Zig Ziglar. This is Benjamin Hardy. This is uh, Victor Frankl. I mean, all of these things because, and so we envision the future we want. We see our future self and we start, okay, so my future self is self-motivated. You know, they just make things happen. The fruit of their life is all the things I want. They're just being who, who you are creates what you want, right? You, you So you're striving to become a someone, right? A who rather than a how. Right. Because when when the when the vision is clear and you become that person, the who, the how will show up. Right. You'll do it. You'll you'll come through it. So so I'm self-motivated. That comes from confidence. Confidence comes from competence. Competence comes from habit. So what are the habits that we can create that will produce the competence that creates the confidence that makes us the self-energizing bunny to produce the fruit that we want in our life. But until we have a vision of that, so 
one of my quotes is we, we create the vision we see. So what's the vision that you see for yourself? And so here's the ultimate Zig Ziglar quote that boils this whole thing down. The way we see the future determines our thinking today. Mm-hmm. Our thinking today determines our performance today. And our performance today has a large bearing on the future we create. And so when we have a purpose, when we have hope, when we have this vision of our future self, of who we're going to become and what we're going to be able to accomplish and who we're going to be able to serve, that changes the way we think. The way we think changes our performance. Our performance changes our results. And so where do we lock in on it? Well, we lock in, okay, so what are the habits that we can embed in our life that will create the performance that fulfills and makes it a self-fulfilling prophecy, the vision that we have. And I want everybody to hear that, that section that you just spoke through, Tom. Folks, as you're listening, that's a great, now's a great time to rewind. Hit the rewind there, put it a minute back and listen to that again. Maybe play it for your kids, your spouse, your friend. Whatever. I mean, that, that right there is worth the price of admission, as they would say. And I want to point out, you know, on uh, Atomic Habits. So you mentioned that book, that's James Clear, that for folks to know, we don't know exactly why that thing is selling like it is, but I'm so grateful. It's such a great book. I get the, I get the bestseller list every week from my literary agents. That book, uh, the best books out there consistently are selling about 5,000 copies a week, which is a truckload. Uh, he is usually selling 20 to 25,000 copies a week. It is a unicorn bestseller because I think people resonate with, and what is the tagline? It's like tiny, tiny changes, big results, something like that. Uh, he's talking about habits. I have had people, Tom asked me, why, why have you not had James clear on the show? And and I was saying, I I don't know. I just never ask. I also, the guy has done so much now. He's been read so much. I'm not sure I can add a whole lot to an interview uh, with the guy. (laughs) So go read the book. Um, I, I wanted to pull something out that you said though, Tom, in regards, or that you referred to, uh, at the beginning in regards to that future self, uh, you said something that, that, you know, I can't do it because, and we're talking about the past that I am still so aware with myself and with my experience with others that we look at the past. We look at what we have done. We haven't done. We look at our weaknesses and strengths, whatever. And to us, that is the proof just intellectually. That's what we tend to think. That's the proof of who I am, what I am, what I'm capable of today. And it makes sense. I mean, that is logical. Today, I was able to do X, this many push-ups, understand this type thing, deal with this relationship, make it that I was able to do this. I wasn't able to do this yesterday, a month before today, whatnot. And that is the proof of who I am. So to think about, oh, my future self is so much different seems kind of illogical, but I'm so enamored with some of the stories and you can take the big exaggerated stories where something happens and, you know, somebody does something amazing that they haven't done before because of a pressure or an opportunity or whatever. And all of a sudden what happens? They think that much differently about themselves. It can happen instantaneously. And 
we don't take that. And my, I think my point being what I've realized is we do not know our capability and capacity. We know what we've done so far, but maybe we haven't had the right pressure, motivation, or opportunity. And if we did, and one of the opportunities could be just seeing ourselves differently, considering that maybe we do have not just a little more capacity or capability, but a lot. What could we really do? Because again, when something happens and we have to step up, we realize, oh my gosh, I'm capable of so much more, but we don't usually do it till a pressure happens to us and kind of forces it uh, on us. If we could, and I feel like that's what Ben's saying, if we could come right now and go, look, this is where I'd really like to be. And I and just believe, just have faith that I could do that and not be limited by the proof I think I know of myself now, what could we really do. And then I love your perspective, Thomas saying, okay, if this is the kind of person I would like to be, I would endeavor to be a person who has achieved this is capable of this. What would that person be doing and not doing today? Would they be eating the rack of Oreos, which, you know, I got to say it's, I'm not dissing Oreos, man. A good rack of Oreos once in a while is righteous as our buddy Randy would say, uh, as long as it's once in a while, once in a very long while, and maybe not the whole rack, but come on. Um, but that, I love your, your play on habits there. What would that future person, what habits would they be doing? And again, I would, I would always go put in, and what would they not be doing? Like the, the Oreos possibly, man, that's, that's powerful, if, and, but it does, I, I feel like I'm putting in, it does take some faith that we don't, that everything we've done so far is not the absolute proof of what we are or not capable of today. Yeah. And it goes back to, um, potential and there's there's two ways to measure human potential and the most common way the way school systems and educators do is they look at your iq test right they 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 look at it and they say okay this is your you know this is your iq and we know through a lot of dedication and study and learning that's going to improve and grow but the amount that you can improve and grow it is fairly limited and a lot of people buy into that and they say, well, you know, I'm in the part of the class that made the top half possible. And so I'm done. But the other piece of human potential is want to. It's it's grit. It's how much you care. It's that unstoppable factor. And when we look at people who do amazing things, a very small percentage of the ones who do amazing things are because of their intellect. It's almost all of them. It's their unstoppableness. It's Mm -hmm. okay. We can raise the game. You know, we can do a little bit better. We can go a little bit further. Uh, It's like when they even asked Einstein who, you know, he won the lottery on, on brain cells. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said, well, what's your superpower? He said, curiosity. It's like, he never could just say, be satisfied. He had to ask the next question. He had to wonder what else is there? What else could we do? I wonder why this works. It was that un- curiosity is almost like uh, the unstoppable gene for what's possible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so w- we all have this, this potential inside of us. And that's where I love dad's, uh, definition of success. Success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Mm-hmm. And so we have this potential inside of us. And so the question is, how do we release it? 
can I speak to that real quick? Because as you're talking, you would, you would think, so if we're on this journey of our future self, of improving, of growing, of increasing our capacity, uh, I mean, at the, at the end of that, st- well, let's just start, start there. I mean, can we jump from zero to a hundred percent right away? And, and we can't. It's like saying, do I have the capacity? Uh, does, does somebody who does not do pull-ups and can do one, do they have the capacity to do 10, 10 pull-ups, you know, chin-ups, uh, whatever. Do they have the capacity to do 10, maybe even 15? Probably, probably it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time. So I, it's again, I, I taking that future self and say, I want to be the kind of person that does that. What are the habits? But realizing that you may be starting, it's going to take a long time. This is not just some, you know, pie in the sky type thing. If you could just jump from zero to there. And I think that overwhelms people a lot, but say, no, I could get there. It's going to, it's going to take a while. And then to what you alluded to, which was a, a zig quote that I actually talked to one of my kids about uh, just in the past couple of days, Tom, that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly to begin with. Did I quote it right? Anything worth doing poorly is worth doing poorly until you learn to do it well. Totally. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was that I've got a kid who's embarking on a new, uh, career direction. And we talked about that, that they're going, you know, do they have the capacity to be at this high level? Yes. It's going to take a while. And right now they're going to stink. And she does at this, at this piece that she's going after right now, she stinks, but she will get there. But just looking at that, that we're talking about this future self, Ben's calling us to that, to put that avatar out there, but not be overwhelmed by how far away you may be from it now. And I feel like that sometimes creeps in when we put that big, you know, what's the, uh, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, that bit, that thing that we think we can do want to do or hope that we could do and realize, okay, we got to have some, we're back to your statement, having the highest standards and the deepest grace for where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we set this standard, right? That's what we commit to. That's what we live up to. We set the highest standard we can. And then we give ourselves grace as we iterate on the way to that standard, right? As we, try to get a little bit better towards that standard every day. Yeah. Uh, I've had many parents uh, when we do goal setting that will, will reach out to me and they'll say, Hey, my child has a goal. And so they might be seven or eight or nine or 10 years old and they've got the dream and they want to be a professional athlete. Could be baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. And, and they said, well, how do I, um, how do I inspire them and encourage them on that path? Right. What, what is it that they can do now when they're eight years old? Well, ask them, what does it mean? You know, do you want to be a professional and, and who do you want to be like? So they so now they start to create a vision. I want to be like and they name their hero. <laughs> it doesn't matter. OK, so let me ask you about that hero. Um, did they play college basketball? Well, yeah, they did. OK, well, great. So what did they have to do? to get into college basketball. Oh, well, they had to have a certain amount of, of, of grade point average in order to get in. And they had to have an accomplishment level in their basketball career in high school. Okay. So it's probably available. What did they accomplish their senior year? Okay. Yeah. So what is about their junior year? What about their sophomore year? What about their, Oh, so they got a little better every year. 
And they were, yeah, they did. So what were they doing when they were an eight, eight year old? Because they had to grow every year a little bit in order to end up as a professional basketball player in the NBA. And so what kind of conditioning and practice time did they put in as an eight-year-old that allowed them to excel as an eight-year-old so they had the opportunity when they turned nine? Because if, if – and so that's where that uh, – don't fall in love with becoming an NBA player – fall in love with the habits that create an NBA player. So what habits did that eight-year-old have, that NBA player when they were eight, when they were nine, when they were 10, when they were 11, when they were 12, when they were 13, when they were 14, when they were 15, right? Yeah. And that, and because we, we, and and this is important, okay, because we can't always control the outcome because life is life. Um, You've got, like for me, when I was eight years old, it might have still been in the realm of possibility that I could play uh, c- collegiate basketball somewhere. But by the time I was 16, it was an impossibility because my natural my my natural gifts <laughs> revealed themselves and speed, vertical jump, all those things. Not in the not in not in the game. Right. Could I have been a good basketball player with every skill set that I had? Yeah. But at that level, probably not. So what am I saying? We fall in love with the habits that maximize our potential, and that opens all kinds of doors. Would, you know, I look back at my golf, my golf career, and I started late. Um, and I think, golly, if I had had the habits and that Tiger Woods had when he was 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, what would my prospects for golf have been? Oh, a lot better. <laughs> well, right? Totally. And I, I want to hit on that, Tom, because you bring up a, a, a couple points. One is those habits. So what would, again, we're asking, what would the habits, we take that future self, and I'm really going to point to those who would maybe say that future self is doing something that's a bit different. Okay, maybe it's not perfectly in line with what you're doing now, but it's actually doing something, a different career, a different business, a different sport, a different role in life. And you look at that and don't feel a connection with that. And we often talk about transferable skills. And I actually want to hit on transferable habits. Even you talking about, so you embarked on basketball. So you're out there, you're on the court, you're practicing, you're training, you're progressing, you are creating habits, creating discipline, you're wiring your brain a certain way. Now then you get to a point and go, hmm, not sure that this is the specifically best fitting uh, role, platform, vehicle, sport. And you took though, what was the I would, I would say when you came over to golf, you took, a, you didn't come in at square one or at, at, at zero, you were transferring those habits. Now I say that because what I find is people so often struggle with that. If they're looking at doing something different, they don't understand their capacity and that, that they may be coming in at a higher level because they have transferable skills or even habits. And it was brought out to me, Tom, it's probably a year ago as I was talking with 
I think it was my literary agents or my, my, my editor, um, and about some bio stuff. And it came out, you know, that I've started 19 businesses and I've helped people start businesses. It's a comfortable space. Well, prior to that, I had started well over a thousand. We, we were talking about some of my, I'm still, still racing bikes. I've started, I've been on the starting line over a thousand comp, competitive bike races. And I didn't think about that. And they said, you kind of have a track record for starting things. You're on the line. You have no control over everything. You know, it's a new event. You got nerves happening. You've really trained yourself. That's a transferable habit. Uh, I didn't have it in that terms until just now, Tom, I thought about transferable skills, but even the transferable habit that I can take over into another field. And I may not know the field, but man, I know how to start things. I know the feelings. I know the needs of creating a framework. And I see that with so many people. And I actually alluded to it just a second ago, and I'll I'll tell the quick story. So I have a daughter, Eliza, she is 22 years old and she has, she has a job or she's, you know, done some schooling stuff. She's traveled over in Europe recently. Uh, she's working uh, at a coffee shop that she uh, adores, but her main gig is she does two farmer, like farmer's market type things, you know, uh, community market. She does two, um, a, a week in Colorado and she nets two to 500 bucks per doing henna tattoos. She puts up her booth. She hardly has any overhead and she takes these little henna cones. So henna is kind of a a dye. Uh, if you haven't had that before, it's usually brown, sometimes black. And she does these designs on people. They last for a week or so. She has done that for so many years. She's put in her 10,000 hours. She is amazing. So she goes and at big events, she'll even make 700,000 bucks in a five, five hour period of time. It's amazing. She's put in her time. She's now looking at tattoo taking that and elevating her art and income through tattoo. We've, we've joked for years about her doing something called like happy tat, no skulls. It's only happy stuff, positive tattoos. Cause that's kind of who she is. Uh, and so she's starting, she's starting an apprenticeship and they want her to start sketching and learning perspective. Well, she hasn't had to do that to this point. So she has, but she has incredible artistic skills, focus, you know, discipline in what she's done. She's transferring those skills over. And right now she's sketching. They have her sketching, working on that. She's not that great. I bet she will get there so quick though, because she gets it. She knows how she knows the concept of it. Now she's just got to figure out how to get her hand to do it. And she'll go very quickly. And I love seeing that. I didn't think this happened yesterday, Tom, we were sitting out in the back deck. She was doing that. So she has transferable habits and skills that right now don't just immediately make her a superstar at this new vehicle, new platform, but she's going to accelerate really quickly. And they know that she will. So that she had to you know, show her stuff, show her portfolio before. They know that she'll do that. And for people to look at that as they're looking at their future self, and especially if it's something that's a little dissimilar or a lot dissimilar, to look at what are some of the skills, the habits, as you have brought us to, that relate to that, that you can come over with, and we're back to round circle to giving you more confidence right now that you probably are not starting at zero. You have some competence. You should therefore go in with a little more confidence. Yeah. And that's so true because we, we sell ourselves, sell ourselves short on past accomplishments. We don't, um, we don't give ourselves credit for the hard work it took to, to pass that class or learn yeah. that job or, you know, get 
get world-class at henna tattoos. Right. And we, mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm starting over. This could be terrible. No, it's, you're going to take everything you learned and it's going to accelerate. But the main thing is, you know, the process for success, you start where you are, you learn from the best, you work on it every day. And you study it and you, you really treat it as an art. You treat it as something to get better. And it's, you know, I was talking to a consultant and a coach, high end coach. Um, and he, he, he makes a lot of money when he coaches and so much money. I was like, wow, what do you coach him on? And he goes, same thing you do. <laughs> and I go, wow. I go, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, in business, it really all boils down to relationship problems. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Top leaders with $100 million-plus budgets, if they're struggling, it's usually they're not having solid relationships with people on their team and other leaders, right? They're not able to bring people together. And there's a lot of, you know, underneath that. And so I think about this idea. So I'm I'm 20 years old, and I'm, and I'm wanting to have a successful career in something. I'm not sure what the something is. My goodness, why don't you go and get a DISC DISC certification in in the DISC personality profile system? Because you know, for fifteen hundred dollars or whatever that certification is, and you really understand the personality styles and how to communicate to each type of person and who you are, and then you practice it and you start working with your family and friends and and you say, hey, let me give you this little survey, you know, this little assessment. And you figure, well, just imagine a 22-year-old coming to, to ask, you know, if, if you have employees in your business, if you're listening, or imagine yourself at 22. What if you were, you know, really, really knowledgeable on people's personalities and how they like to be communicated to and what drives them and what makes them mad and and how you can change your approach to get the best result for them and for you. If you were 22 and you had that knowledge and that skill set already in the, in your, just the, who you were, what kind of an advantage would that be? We have a lot of people come through our coaching and they come in and they say, yeah, I've always wanted to be a coach, but I love what, what I'm doing. It's just kind of struggling right now. Uh, And so I think down the road, coaching is going to be a bigger and bigger start or part of what I do, but I'm I'm not worried about building a coaching practice right now. So they come through the, the course and they put on the coaching glasses. They learn a whole series of new questions and then they understand where people are coming from based on how they answer and their core business takes off. Yeah. They can't help it. They start applying this new information to what they were doing, gives them a completely new perspective and what they were doing really excels. And so here's a question for the future self. I want to be would being an effective coach and asking coaching questions and helping people discover through questions, what they really want to do or have or be right for their benefit. Would, would that skill help you in life? with your kids in your current business, with your friends, with your family, with Yeah, absolutely. It would. And so this is how we can start to create a future self and understand, no, it's, it's little habits I got to create, right? What about the habit of asking it one more question in every conversation you have just for a couple of months, just that one insightful question. 
I mean, is that going to change people's perspective of you? I mean, people love talking about themselves. <laughs> so, so literally this formula of the self-motivated person that's driven by confidence, that's driven by competence, that's driven by habits. What habits can you create today that will create the future self you want to become? I mean, right there is an exercise pretty much everyone can do. Not saying it's going to be comfortable, but to find, as you look at that future self, to find a model, find a model, find somebody who is at that level in a certain area. And you may not find a person that is the exact uh, persona avatar of your complete future self, but maybe here's somebody who's in the vocational arena, the future self you want to be. Here's somebody in a, you know, relational parenting spouse, uh, uh, type future self that you want to be. Here's somebody financially, here's somebody spiritually, whatnot. It may be more uh, multiple people, but to take those folks and to go take, ask them for coffee for lunch, you buy, make sure you buy and ask them, I want to know what you did to get to that level and find out their habits and take it with a grain of salt because what worked for them may not be exactly what you need. Maybe you need to take that vocational aspect of your future self and find three different people that are at that and take them all to lunch or coffee or whatnot, a zoom call, anything that you can get. Um, and I, I understand it takes some boldness. It's, that's not a comfortable area for a lot of people. I do want to tell you that a lot of the people that you would look to like that, don't think that everybody's knocking on their door. Not many people ask questions like that. My dad talked about that for years. He says, it's amazing that people always think that he's just book solid. He says, it's amazing how many people don't ask him out to talk to, about something, to, to, to pick his brain. Uh, everybody thinks that not many people actually do it. And most are very, very honored. Um, the people I have asked have always felt very honored that I asked them. And when I have been asked, oh my gosh, I, I'm incredibly honored. Uh, so you can take a model out there of a person that is in that future self role that you want to be, ask them what they do, find out their habits. Now that's a face to face. I'm a big fan of that. Obviously you can find people online on social media and on different platforms on podcasts and whatnot. Um, but a lot of times you don't hear the specific things of what they did, which is one of the interesting things that people like about my podcast episodes where I go through people's values and habits. Cause you hear the behind the scenes of what they're actually doing to get themselves to a certain place, what they have done. We don't often hear that. So it is a little unique, but it's going out and finding out what do those people do? We understand that back to an athletic standpoint. So what did so-and-so do to reach that level? Man, they did this amount of training. We, we, I used to see that, Tom, back when I was really into football and stuff. And I loved Walter Payton. And he was famous for what he did training-wise, that he did more. That He not only went and did the training everybody else did, but he went home. And he was real famous for taking weights or a sled or something like that and running up a steep hill. And you saw him do that on the field when everybody's grabbing onto him, the dude just keeps running. He's been practicing that and people modeled that. We don't think about doing that in the other areas of life. Yeah. The Walter Payton story. I, I don't remember it perfect, but when practice was over, he would disappear. And one day one of the coaches said, where are you going? And he said, well, why don't you come with me? And he was going to this levee or this dike and it yeah. was, a very steep angle and he was running sprints up the hill 
and then coming back down and sprinting up again, basically until his legs gave out. And so the coach came back and he said, Hey, we got to send somebody with him every time. I'm worried he's going to hurt himself. <laughs> right. Cause he was doing that many sprints up the hill. So then they would assign a rookie to him every year to go with him. And that became legend. Well, if you watch NFL highlights of Walter Payton running, look at the broken tackles he gets oh my in, gosh. The fourth, yeah. in the fourth quarter yep. when everybody else has lost a step. He is running through them, their, their grips, everything. He's just – he's got that same amount of speed and tenaciousness but he separated himself from the pack because of that little extra habit he did. Yep. Was it was it a fun habit? No. He but he fell in love with it. And that was one of the things I think that in Atomic Habits is he interviewed a guy who trained world-class athletes and he said what's the difference? And he said, "Oh, they've fallen in love with the workout." Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I I love I love your perspective on that Tom. That's why I love having these conversations, man. You bring new insight uh in. Well, again, folks, it's Ben Hardy, it's be your future self. Uh now this is our wrap up of it. I did want to say, did you have some you mentioned a disc profile disc certification. Do you have a source that you like for that? I have one, but do you Yeah, we do. Um you can just we offer that through uh, Dr. Robert Rome and Howard Partridge. So we can, we can hook anybody else up. Where do, uh, where can, do they go? Uh, the best way is just to email me, uh, Tom at Ziggler.com. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Email Tom directly and ask him anything you want. He is right. for you. Uh, seriously, folks, that's an open offer. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just make sure you say, hey, I was listening to the Ben Hardy part three podcast. And then I'll remember. Yeah. Beautiful. Tom, man. Thanks. Always a pleasure and a gift. So this has me thinking of taking each area of life, let's say the Ziegler wheel of life. You can search and find that and deciding not just what success you want, what goal at the end you want, but thinking about the steps to get you there and focusing just on that, the steps, the steps you like. Again, we so often try to adopt steps or habits that we just loathe that we don't look forward to. And this is not sustainable, but here's our opportunity and charge to find what is sustainable. And it's the habits we really enjoy. Thanks again for choosing to tune into the self-helpful podcast. Uh, best thing you can do the gift to everyone is just talk about what you learn here. Keep the discussion going, grapple with it, ponder it and see what you can adopt those great habits for your life. I really sincerely help and hope, and I hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.